Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to Loose Units, Loose Ends. Here's the deal, folks. Dad and I do a true crime podcast about Dad's time as a cop, a firefighter, a funeral guy, general action man, and bon vivant. But the problem is, of course... During lockdown, everyone's been baying for more content. So for, Jesus, I think this is like episode 27, 28, 29 of our bonus series, Loose Ends. Every Friday, we bring you a hot piping mug of extra stuff. And this week, Dad, I have a question from a listener that I thought I'd read to you. Oh, that sounds exciting. (laughs) Okay, here we go. This is from Michael Van Balen. Sounds Dutch. It does sound Dutch. At least uh, the van part. The Balen, not sure. Yeah. Van Balen. Didn't he die recently? No, it was Van Halen. I know. Or Halem. Yeah. I know. <sighs> Off to a cracking start. Have you ever had to send cremated remains through the postal system? I used to work for Australia Post back in the 80s. One of the post offices I worked at was Faulkner PO, which is fairly close to the Faulkner Crematorium. A couple of times a week, they would bring in cremated human remains to be sent various places around the country. Ooh, that's a weird job. Usually another cemetery or crematorium. In those days, registered mail was placed into a special bag, which the collecting driver would carry in the cabin with them. We were never allowed to tell the drivers picking up the mail what was in the bag they carried for fear they would refuse to take the mail. (laughs) You find that funny, do you, Paul? I just find it funny. Like, if you have a prang, and they're just, woof, just dust everywhere. From our solder breakfast. Yes. Like a mini storm, like a sandstorm within the cabin. Like when you're um, uh, banging out kind of like um, chalk dusters. Mm. You know, Not the best clouds. analogy. Not the worst, though. Do th- I don't think they use chalk anymore, do they? You think they don't use chalk anymore? I don't know. Kids are probably using electronic iPhone chalk and rap music. Bloody kids. While the staff at Faulkner Creme, oh, nice shortening there, would pack the remains very well... Other crematoria. Is that the plural of crematorium? Uh, Possibly, Paul. I'll look into that. That's classy. Okay. Other crematoria sending remains to Faulkner were not necessarily as careful. I remember one incident in particular. The parcel turned up at a neighboring PO in a repaired by Australia post bag. Oh, this is good. You can see the white powder, which a curious fellow worker decided to check out by dabbing her finger into the powder. She was just about to taste the powder when I suggested she read to who it was addressed. I will never forget the look on her face. Nice. That's from Mm. Michael. I wonder whether she may have developed a bit of a... uh, Taste? A taste for um, human remains. Um, There was an episode of Six Feet Under where a bunch of actors were basically doing lines of their dead friend. Um, they were mm. snorting their dead friend. Now, in terms of how unhealthy is it to ingest uh, human 
ashes in that. In not, that, not very unhealthy. Really? Yeah, you can do it. But here's my little thing. I mean, we talk about um, sort of main. You know, what do they call that when you line the the drugs up on the table with your credit card and then you roll up a, um, you know, a the, note. Li- yeah, li- lining up. Yes, yes. And then you stick it in one nose. Yes. And then pull back and suck all that stuff into your. Yes, nasal that's what I'm, cavity. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But yeah. Paul, um, see, I've actually seen the uh, the uh, they're, they're technically not ashes; they're they're crushed bone, mm-hmm. and um, they're a lot coarser than sand. So, I mean, you know, snorting cocaine um, or or heroin or any. Um, sort of amphetamine that you crush up really, really finely, like powder, you know, that's one thing. But to, to go snorting uh, sort of small bits of bone... Oh, it'd be like sand. It'd be probably worse than sand. And imagine as you pull back through one nostril, um, imagine at a microscopic level those tiny little bladed, sharp... Um, objects are flying back through your nose lacerating because the nose is very sensitive and i mean how easy is it to get a bleeding nose yeah absolutely um so all this stuff and then look in vietnam at the moment what uh the ultra wealthy are doing is that they're grinding up rhinoceros horn it's worth around about a hundred thousand US per pound, and there are two and a half pounds, so mm-hmm. it's about a quarter of a million dollars a kilo. And they're grinding up the rhinoceros horn, and they're uh, they're snorting it at parties. Now, I don't know whether people are aware of this, but rhinoceros horn is simply, uh, or, or it's the equivalent of human hair, but even more. Um, Similar is its um, likeness on on pretty well every single level of um, your fingernails. Mm-hmm. So can you imagine going to a party with some ground up fingernails um, of a dead person, uh, and everyone mainline or not mainlining but snorting them? I mean, it's absolutely just insane. Which goes to show you, um, unlike cocaine, which um, I've, I believe. Can I tell you a little cocaine story, Paul? Uh, that involves me directly. Sure. I went, have you heard this one? I don't know. Oh, well, I went to this party with uh, Christine in Manly a few years ago. And this uh, lady who was wearing jodhpurs, which I thought was a bit unusual for a party. <clears throat> she'd just been to the racetrack and um, she invited me and another guy into a what I would describe as a small room, but it was actually like a cupboard. And she asked me whether I'd like to partake in uh, snorting cocaine, to which I declined, obviously. But that was quite unusual that she'd sort of singled me out with this other weird guy. Did she know you were an ex-cop? No. And I, I actually did go into this small room, like I say, slightly bigger than a built-in wardrobe. Mm. And we were just standing there. And I, it, it, look, it was just fascinating to watch. That's the closest I'd ever been to actually observing people going through the process of taking out the cocaine, lining it up on a chest of drawers, using a credit card, 
and using a an Australian current um, note could have been a twenty. Um, but I the whole thing freaked me out, and quite frankly, I just but I I, I sort of politely excused myself, um, and that was actually a party in Manly that was supposed to be a drug free party um, because the owner was very anti drugs. Um, but yeah, it was just um, it was pretty weird. Okay. How odd. Well, I'm now going to look for another story on the Facebook page, which is not always easy. Uh, it's not always easy to find. I mean, okay, so there's a few... Hang on a sec. So beneath the thread from Michael Van Balen about the um, Faulkner crematorium, uh, another listener, Pamela, <laughs> has said, I sent my mother's ashes back to her birth country and it wasn't a problem. In 2007, had to market human remains. $75 for that big plastic brick thing they come in and off she went. She was scattered on the grave of her parents, my grandparents. So, Dad, I guess the thing from Michael here that he's curious about has, have you ever been at your time at Kinsella, I assume, or outside of Kinsella, been involved in the postage of human remains? Paul, I used to go, it was almost a regular run mm. um, every few weeks at Kinsella's. I would drive up to the uh, crematorium or any crematorium in Sydney and yep. pick up ashes all the time. Really? And they came in a little box. Um, I would describe, I'm not, it's freaking me out a little bit because I used to transport a lot of ashes, bring them back to uh, Kinsella's at Narrabeen, mm-hmm. and then we would um, organise for them to be picked up or we would take them to the local post office. Um, I never, ever let the post office know what we were uh, sending off. And we used to send them all over the place, including overseas. Mm-hmm. But they weren't that heavy. I mean, my father's ashes that are in a cylinder um, on a bookcase in mum's apartment on the northern beaches, every single time I go over there, which is at least once a week, my yeah. mother every single time says, John, have you organised for the permanent, uh, what's, the, what's the best word, Paul? The permanent, um, sort of that, that place where they shall remain for eternity, like a niche. Uh, yes, yeah, so like okay. Yeah, so I, I still haven't done it, Mum. And for that, I, uh, I shall flagellate. Um, but I will get round to it. So I need to really pull my finger out. But they're really, really heavy. And I'll tell you what, if you posted those, if I took a cylinder like that, uh, into the post office, I tell you what, the weight would be, you'd be charged a fair whack because they're heavy. Um, but but when I used to pick them up from the crematoriums, they weren't that heavy and they were in small boxes. So I'm wondering what, what the go is there. I, I, of course, um, the finer you make them, yeah, the more, the more you can fit in. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting. But it's it's kind of like coarse sand. Paul, is that a is that a siren in the background? Yeah, sorry. There's there's emergency services vehicles just flying past. They just oh, oh god, there's another one. Oh no, it's it's clearly been a terrible accident. Oh god, here's one more. Paul. Okay, it's gone. I I mean, <laughs> what's happened is uh, someone's actually created a ringtone mm. based oh. on. That terrible noise. Mm, well, I wouldn't be using it. Not it's in on public. the Facebook. Page. I, I should. I should give a shout out. Um, yeah. uh, Michael Maddyshack did a ringtone based on my dreadful voice. 
Um, so well done there. Yeah, so it's, we, we live in a very crowded area. Sometimes, you know, fire engines and police buzz past. There's really not much we can do about it. Paul, are we going to talk about that incident that happened to you and Tegan? No, we can't yet. We can't yet. Cool. No, we can't yet because it would be insensitive. But Dad, okay, one thing that's happened a fair bit is that whenever we, you know, talk about what we're going to do once we finish up with all these different, you know, sagas that we're talking through, Dad, you inevitably talk about the antique business. And we had um, a lovely listener come up to us after our Sydney event at Giant Dwarf and basically say, hey, I know you were joking about doing a podcast about antiques. But can you please do a podcast about antiques? Now, Dad, the best thing to do, I think, is to test the waters. And you actually have an antiques-related story. I do. And I thought, just as a kind of, you know, just a benchmark, we could let you tell that story on the show. I'd love to. Right now. I'd love to. I've got to be very, very delicate and careful Mm. um, for lots of reasons. But a couple of my mates have suggested uh, that have known me for a long time. Bearing in mind, listeners, I've actually been dealing in antiques i.e. buying and selling antiques since 1982. And I had this crazy idea to open an antique shop. It was a spontaneous um, sort of... We were walking through Manly. There was this warehouse and a local real estate agent had rented this space, a massive warehouse on the main road going out of Manly. And we just sort of peered into this chasmous sort of old warehouse and he'd got masking tape and he'd taped the carpet into squares and you could sort of, you could rent a square and on that square you could put what you liked as long as it was antique. So Christine and I, we duly signed up for this square uh, marked out with masking tape on the carpet and we were one of the first antique dealers. I mean, I was not really an antique dealer up until that day and... um, Christine looked at me and said, Now, John, slight problem. We don't actually have any stock for our new shop. And I said, Well, that's that's easy. So we went home and I simply got all our furniture, or pretty well everything we owned, loaded it into the back of my ute and drove it, including our, all our indoor plants. And we set up this makeshift. Uh, that, was, that, that was the genesis of me getting involved in antiques. And then we opened a second shop in Manly. Sorry, the first shop was Manly. The second shop was Mossman. And quite a few years later, I became a valuer of fine art. And I've, to this very day, to this second, um, I've been dealing in antiques. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And I had a call a few weeks ago from a lady who had a, um, look, this is a really, I think it's, I think it's a fascinating story. Um, her mother had passed away in the 1980s mm-hmm. and the mother was a hoarder. And they lived in one of the most affluent suburbs in Australia. Um, I'm not going to say what suburb. And uh, when the mother passed away, the daughter and son got the entire contents that belonged to the mum. Now, I say, or they described her as a hoarder, but let me say she was a top-end hoarder. Everything she hoarded was top shelf. Right. And a couple of weeks ago, so imagine they um, stored everything in a um, storage facility in Sydney and it was not until maybe two weeks ago that the daughter could finally mentally cope with the trauma of losing her mother all those years ago and it was almost 40 years to the day when she could finally open up the storage unit for the first time. And she opened it up. And she photographed some of the more significant items and she sent them through to me in an email. This is about two weeks ago. And I... Just quickly, is, is any of this going to compromise the deal you've got with her or is it going to make no, her uncomfortable? not at all. Mm-hmm. And um, then what happened was I recommended that everything go to an, a particular auction house in Sydney because it was, quite frankly, it was too big for me to handle, too many items. And then she, because I said, look, um, you know, I, I, I'm whilst I do deal in furniture, um, I prefer small items. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, I, I don't think we've got any small items. Um, but then what happened was she called me last week and said, oh, John, I've come across um, some some items in a box you might be interested in. So I sort of thought, oh, okay. And she said, look, my mother also had 600 teapots. Uh, and I said, oh, that sounds exciting. Where are the teapots? She said, oh, we've donated them to a teapot museum. And I thought, oh, my my shoulders dropped. Why? Thought, because you're sad that teapot museums exist? Well, that that and also sad that I didn't get an opportunity because they gave the collection of teapots. And knowing what I now know about this particular <laughs> woman, they would have been awesome teapots. So um, I went to meet her a few days ago. Mm. and at this storage facility, and there she was. She'd be in her 70s, I guess, a lovely lady, and she showed me a couple of uh, silver items, and I looked at them, and it was like looking at the sun. 
I okay. almost didn't want to look into the sun. So right. you, you were meeting up with her to pot your mind at ease. Yeah, that's it. And um, <coughs> we were chatting away. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> and then she said to me, look, John, some of this stuff is sterling silver. Oh. And I said, look, what's the story with the furniture? And she said, oh, I've organized another auction house. Your contact, they never got back to me. Mm-hmm. And then I looked and I had a good close look at things. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to make you an offer on the entire contents of this storage unit. And oh, like so those shows where they, you know, you basically buy. Yes, yes, a- and, <sighs> yeah. And there were twelve boxes. Actually, look, I thought it was twelve boxes. Yep. Um, I've since realised today that it's actually twenty boxes, and I didn't even bother opening the boxes. I mean, I opened one or two boxes just to get a sense. Mm-hmm. And she was standing there, and I said, "Look, what's inside these boxes?" And she said, "I've got no idea. I can't remember. They were packed up." And we pulled out newspaper out of some of the things, and they were all 1982, the dates on the newspapers. Irrefutable evidence that, that this stuff had been, in, in fact, packed back then. Yeah. So we came up with a, a price, and it was sort of a blind, because I'm quoting on 20 boxes of antiques, plus all the furniture, plus the silver. But there was one particular item. There were lots of, uh, there were three sterling silver um, hallmarked tea and coffee services. Mm-hmm. Quite, quite valuable. And... Um, but there was one item in particular that was very exciting that I didn't pay a lot of attention to, but I just had a gut feeling that was pretty good. Yeah. And I quoted and she said yes on the spot, which kind of made me feel as I may have uh, overquoted. And uh, then she gave me the key. She said, John, this massive unit that could have fit fitted two cars, she said, this is now yours until today. Uh, this is or tomorrow for the, for the listeners. And she said... Um, I'm leaving. I'm leaving Sydney. I'm opting out. I'm going to live up north um, in some beautiful, you know, mountainous area. And I organised carriers and I got into the uh, storeroom yesterday and uh, just sorted everything out, packed it. And then today the entire contents were delivered to um, an auction house in Sydney. But there was one item out of the entire collection that I'd never seen before. Mm-hmm. It was a small item. It's a tea caddy uh, because tea used to be very precious. That's the uh, that's the golden ticket for me. That makes the entire... So I'll probably get all my money back on every single item to sort of square things off. And then the profit for me hopefully will be uh, this small tea caddy. And I've already uh, emailed a couple of places overseas and had some very positive responses very quickly, might I add. So I'll be keeping the listeners uh, informed I mean, with that incredible find. I'll be honest, I was hoping for the Ark of the Covenant or something, but what you're saying well, is... That- this is pretty well on par with that. <laughs> okay. I'm serious. This yeah. is a really, really... I have spent... One of the things that I love doing with my, with my precious time is doing research. And I have done so much research on this particular item. And it is... It's so exciting. It's it's just oh look, I, I'm I'm quite I, I actually I received an email from overseas two yeah. nights ago and yeah. I could not go to bed. I could not sleep. I was bouncing around and it was bloody late. The adrenaline was coursing through my veins with with such such excitement because I'm onto something that's and and in many times in people's lives you think something's really good and then it generally turns out to be not as never as good but listeners 
I can assure you all that on this particular occasion, I've I've come across something really exciting. So there you go. Look, maybe once it's um, you know, maybe once it's sold, we can kind of reveal what it is. But yeah, the fact yeah. is, I mean, I'm sitting here going, look. I'm really curious as to whether your antique business of selling things and, you know, kind of like unearthing artifacts has ever really organically segued into the world of crime. Have you ever gotten oh, anything Paul, that has... mate, mate, I have got a cracker of a yarn for you. Have you got time? Yeah. Okay. I, I had a guy that I used to buy antiques off on the northern beaches. Now, this guy was an ex-junkie. And at times he was not ex, he was using. But he lived in a very salubrious suburb in a beautiful home mm-hmm. with his in-laws. So that checked out. And I bought a lot of really, really good stuff off him over many, many years. And I, in the back of my mind, I thought, mm, this is slightly dodgy. But I mean, I have been offered, I get offered in Sydney today, mm-hmm. every single week, I get calls from between two and five people that I would describe as criminals that have just done a break and enter. Okay. Guaranteed. I know how they speak. I know they're in a car. I can't go to their place. They won't send me photographs. They want to meet me. And I just go, you know what? No way. And then I block their numbers. But this particular guy, and he was he was highly educated. He'd been um, in and out of heroin. And, um, you know, he had some health conditions, but as I said, beautiful house, really good suburb, met the in-laws and over many years bought a lot of gear off him. And then one day I bought this estate. I went to his place, picked up some, picked up a beautiful grandfather clock, silver, coins, paintings, really good stuff. And then a few days later, what happened was I, I'm sort of the middleman. I put things straight into auction generally mm-hmm. and... I took all this stuff to a very well-known auction house in Sydney. And then a few days later, I get this phone call from him. And he says to me, oh, uh, John, he said, have you, um, have you still got that gear that I sold you? And I went, you mean the clock and all this stuff? And then in the background, can you take a guess what I could hear that made my heart sink? Can you guess? It's probably a pretty general sort of question, but what um, I did here, I heard a police on, radio. Did, is that what you heard? No, no, I didn't hear that, Paul. You're not sorry. Um, but, Paul, yeah. I heard a police radio, but it was a special police radio. It was coming from a speaker what? inside Manly Detective's office. He was, he, that arrested him. And he had in his wallet a card with my name on it. John F. Verhoeven, antique dealer and valuer of fine art. And I was up shit creek without a paddle. And when I, was this? What was sorry, what year was this? We were living in the coachman's cottage. So you oh, would have been fifteen. You would have been probably in oh younger than that, I think. Um but yeah, round about that. And um and my whole life flashed before me. And then he, without telling me, he hands the phone over to one of the detectives. And the detectives, they knew me. And back then you had to keep what was called a, a licensed second-hand dealer's book, which I, I had the book, but I'd never, <laughs> I'd never filled it in. <laughs> oh, dear. 
and and I just thought I'm I I'm, I just didn't know what to do. I then said to the detectives that I can because they wanted all the gear back. Yeah. It had come from one house, one break and enter. This guy had gone into, he'd broken into someone's house on the beaches and stolen, believe it or not, he'd stolen their grandfather clock, which is insane. Mm-hmm. And he'd stolen, look, a lot of tremendous stuff. Here's the problem, Paul. I had put all that stuff the week before into auction and it was about to sell. I had to hot foot it over to the auction house in Leichhardt. Uh, fortunately, the principal of the company was very... Because um, I have a very good reputation in the world of antiques. And I had to... And it was a, a very drawn-out process to basically take back every single item that I'd booked in that they'd already put online and had registered. And everything was in the papers. I think I said it online. I don't think that used to be online. No, so, not, not, no, not at that not, point. Not no. back then. But it would, certainly was in, in all the Sydney press mm-hmm. in the Herald on the weekend. Everything was set up, it was displayed, it was marked, it was ticketed, it was, you know, they'd done all the good work and they're about to have the viewing on the Saturday morning and on the Friday, I've rocked up and I had this shitbox car that we'd bought off that old guy, remember Leo? Oh yes, vividly. So I bought this puss bucket car, mm. um, which was like a Honda Civic station wagon and I remember, and I was so angry, I was so pissed off. So what I had to do... I had to strap the grandfather clock on top of this this car and I filled it with all the stuff and I took it back to Manly Police Station and I was so angry that what I did, I unceremoniously basically dumped it out the front of Manly Police Station on the footpath and then I went in and said to the detectives, everything's here. They came down, they opened up a roller shutter door um, which is to the left of the uh, Manly Police Station mm-hmm. when you're looking at the station. And they then manhandled with boxes and clocks and all the gear. And I just stood there, wasn't going to help them. And I realized also that I'd lost thousands of dollars because I was never going to get my money back because the money that I'd paid him, because I always paid cash, mm. was up his arms. He, oh. he, he'd bought heroin. Yeah, I th- sorry, I thought you meant he had hollow arms and he hid the money in no. there. Anyway, okay. that's a that's a great, and that's a story about antiques and uh, and the police force. Yeah, oh, Christ. All right. Well, look, listeners, let us know what you think of the antique stuff. Uh, I mean, it's there's all kinds of things that happen to Dad in the world of antiques. It might be a really interesting spin-off series. It might just be something we do occasionally on loose ends. Either way, we are so so happy to have kicked off a new season of Loose Units this week. Uh, we hope you really enjoyed Loose Units Origins Episode 1. We're really excited about kind of pushing forward with this. Make sure, if you can, you have a copy of Loose Units. And make sure you grab a copy of Electric Blue, because what's happening is Victorian bookstores are going to be opening over the coming weeks. We want to flood these bookstores, because here's the thing. Bookshops put new books on display. Technically, Electric Blue has been out for a while. Right, Dad? You know how you walk past mm. bookshops and yep. they change the window displays. Yep. And... The, they're not going to put our book in the window displays, so we've instantly lost this huge boost and this big thing that you're meant to get when you launch a book. But if you contact your local bookstores, whether they're Dimmicks, whether they're just little places, and ask them to get Electric Blue in, that will be the most the most helpful thing you can do for this book uh, and for us is to get Electric Blue into the bookstores and make sure that these people are ordering crap loads of the book. Uh, but obviously we'll be back on Monday with a new episode. No, Tuesday. My apologies. We'll be back on Tuesday. It's been a long week with a new episode of Loose Units Origins. We can't wait to see you then. We'll talk to you soon. Have a great weekend and take it easy, folks.
Cheerio. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.